You're listening to Midi Storytime, part of the Spare Change Library. This week we're reading the latest chapter of The Bride of the Tomb by Mrs. Alex McVeigh Miller. Tune in each week for the next chapter. Chapter 9 Thus rudely disposed of, Lily stood still a moment in the center of the floor whither the old woman's rude push had landed her, and looked about her with a swelling heart full of grief and indignation. She found herself in a meagerly furnished, low-sealed room, very similar to the one she had just quitted. The single window was barred with iron strongly and securely fitted in. The low white bed had a very refreshing look to her worn and agitated frame, and throwing herself upon it, dressed as she was, Lily fell into a deep and weary slumber, broken now and then by a sob that welled up from her heart. It was probably midnight when she was awakened by the peal of thunder overhead and the patter of heavy rain upon the roof. A violent summer storm was in progress, and Lily lay still a while and listened in awe to the raging elements warring furiously together. In a temporary lull of the storm, she fancied she heard groans of pain arising from beneath the floor and sprang up in bed, trembling violently. She listened again, but the sound was not repeated, and the girl smiled as she said to herself, it was only my nervous fancy, giving a human voice to the winds and the rain. There can be no one in this old house save my cruel jailers and myself. She laid her head down again upon the pillow, and as the ominous sounds were not repeated and the wild thunderstorm decreased in violence, she fell asleep and did not wake until the sun was high in the summer heavens. Haiti, entering with her breakfast and fresh water for her ablutions, scowled at her suspiciously. "'Did you sleep well?' interrogated she. "'Very well,' answered Lily, coldly and briefly. "'Did nothing disturb you through the night?' said the old witch, watching the young girl keenly from beneath her shaggy, overhanging eyebrows. "'Thunder awakened me,' replied Lily calmly, and once, in a pause of the storm, it seemed to me I heard a human voice groaning, but I became satisfied afterward that it was only the wind in the trees. "'Most likely,' said Haiti. I'm glad you were not frightened, but they do say this room is haunted. A woman died in here, and they do say she walks about and wrings her hands and groans. I know nothing about it myself, but I will own that I have heard strange sounds in here. The long, lonely day wore on while she sat absorbed in her painful thoughts. Colville, with malice prepense, had denied her the solace of books, work, or music, thinking that the unutterable weariness and stagnation of her life would drive her sooner into his eager arms. Time passed on leaden footsteps to the impatient young creature whose life hitherto had held every pleasure that love and wealth combined could lavish on its beautiful idol. Noon brought Haiti and her dinner. Wearied by the length of the sultry day and her own vexing thoughts, Lily scarcely tasted the food brought her. Take it away, she said indifferently. I have no appetite, Haiti. Haiti obeyed in silence, and left her walking up and down the floor in passionate impatience. Now and then she shuddered with fear at remembering her escape of the previous night. I shall have to die, she thought despairingly. There is no hope of escape from this house. But oh, may it not be by such dreadful method as that. Her meditations were suddenly interrupted by a horrible sound. It was the far-off clank of a heavy chain mingled with the anguished wail of an unearthly voice. It broke so suddenly on the stillness that Lily started in a fright, the very hairs on her head seeming to stand erect in her overmastering horror. She had never been a believer in the supernatural, but what was that, she asked herself with a wildly beating heart. 
The sounds continued, muffled by distance, yet distinctly horrible and realistic. They seemed to rise from the floor beneath her feet. She covered her ears with her hands, but the sounds penetrated to her whirling brain in spite of her efforts not to hear. Dreadful sounds of woe from the suffering lips of some human or inhuman creature. All the while, the heavy chain seemed clanking in unison with the voice. Was Hades' ghost story true after all? Lily asked herself in doubt and bewilderment. No, she would not believe it. Only the narrow-minded and superstitious believed in such things. Suddenly, the solution of the mystery broke on her mind like the light of an inspiration. She understood Hades' anxiety that she should believe in the unearthly nature of the sound she was likely to hear. It is nothing supernatural, she said to herself firmly. I am not the only prisoner in this house. Some poor being, more wretchedly treated even than myself, perhaps driven to madness as they will probably drive me, is confined in some loathsome dungeon below me, and Haiti does not wish me to know it. Poor soul, poor soul, murmured Lily in divine pity and compassion for the unknown prisoner. As she sat musing sadly, her eyes fell absently on the carpet beneath her feet. It had evidently been laid down the night before in a great hurry, for it was unevenly spread and was not tacked down. There was no carpet in the room she had occupied before. Why had old Haiti been so particular about placing one here? It is rather strange, she thought to herself. Haiti had something to conceal. I will look under that carpet. She glanced toward the keyhole, fearing that Argus' eyes might be watching her. No one was there. She rolled up a piece of wrapping paper that lay carelessly upon the floor and pushed it into the opening. Now I will see what that carpet hides, said the brave girl to herself. She advanced to the corner of the room and slowly turned back the corners of the gay-flowered carpet as far as the middle. She was rewarded by more than she expected. The carpet had been drawn over a trap door in the center of the room. It had recently been used, too, thought the girl, for it was free from dust and a small crevice appeared at one end. She inserted her fingers in the opening thus bound and cautiously pushed against it. The door slid back under the flooring lightly and easily and disclosed below Lily's room a long and narrow winding stairway. It looked gloomy and dark, as if the footsteps of the wicked alone trod over its hidden way, and with a shudder, Lily pushed the door back into its place, carefully replaced the carpet, removed the paper from the keyhole, and sat down with a wildly beating heart and trembling limbs. "'That stairway evidently leads to the dungeon of that poor chained prisoner,' was her inward comment. Who can it be that Haiti has immured there? Perhaps another victim of Dr. Pratt and Harold Colville. Oh, God, that such infamous villainy should go unpunished beneath the sky of heaven! She walked to the iron-barred window and looked out through the grating. The sun was shining in the blue heavens. The tangled old garden, refreshed by the storm of the previous night, was a wilderness of bloom. Untrimmed, the roses spread their wild, loving arms over the ground, or climbed heavenward by whatever frail support they could reach. Vines broken down from their frames blossomed luxuriantly on the ground and ran across the winding path. A high stone wall ran around the whole place, shutting out all the bloom and sweetness from the curious gaze of any who might chance to pass. Poor Lily inhaled the fragrant air that rose to her window with a heart-wrung sigh. What sunshine and sweetness and beauty were outside of her horrible prison! What grief, what desolation, perhaps even madness, within! The fresh, pure air infused new courage into her fainting heart. The memory of those mournful, anguished wails became less dreadful as her courage rose. I will go down that winding stairway tonight, was the resolve taking shape in her mind. 
I will try and find that poor soul imprisoned beneath me. Ah, can I? Dare I? Who knows what awful shape of idiocy or madness may affright me thence? No matter. After enduring the dread companionship of the dead in the charnel house, I can bear that chained creature also. The day wore on. Twilight came with its dusky shadows and passed. Old Haiti entered with supper and a freshly trimmed lamp. Lily could scarcely eat, she was so excited by the thought of her projected night adventure. "'I suppose you are trying to starve yourself to death, miss,' said she grimly. "'I shall send word to Dr. Pratt, and he will give you some stuff to stimulate your appetite.' Lily made no reply. "'I suppose you'll not try to escape tonight,' continued Haiti maliciously. "'If you do, old Nero will be on the watch for you. He never sleeps at night.' "'I will make my next attempt at daylight, then,' replied Lily coolly. "'You'll not find another loose bar,' retorted the old woman angrily, as she went out with the scarcely touched dishes. Lily waited a long while in perfect silence for the sound of the old people going upstairs. At length she heard their harsh footsteps creaking up the stairs. As she had expected, old Hades' course was straight towards her room. She sprang into bed, drew the covers up to her chin, and feigned slumber. The key grated in the lock, and the old woman's fiendish visage peered in. "'Ah!' "'There you are, safe in your nest, pretty bird,' croaked she. "'Well, happy dreams to you.' So saying, she turned the key again and went away, satisfied that her charge was safe for the night. That concludes this week's installment of The Bride of the Tomb. Turn in each week for the latest chapters released on Thursdays. This production of The Bride of the Tomb features the voice talents of Laura Bang and Damien Katz. Chris Hallberg voices the intro and outro narratives. The theme music is The Guava Rag by Brett Donnelly. Midi Storytime in the Spare Chambers Library produced by Lancelot Darling and Friends. This podcast is brought to you by DimeNovels.org, the Edward T. LeBlanc Memorial Dime Novel Bibliography.